This is an ABC podcast. If you talk to a little girl or even a teenage girl, being liked is generally number one on their list of aims in life. So the social conditioning for being nice goes back a very long way. As young girls, we're socialised to please other people, to serve, to stop anyone from feeling bad, to solve problems. They want boys to like them. They want their friends to like them. They want parents and teachers to like them. And with that kind of social and cultural conditioning comes a lot of yes saying. Come on. So you get women who constantly put everybody first. And that leaves them open to manipulation. (laughs) Saying no or pushing back on what they're asked of later in life feels like they're being bad. Straight up, I need to be clear that this episode isn't about sex and consent, which is totally a conversation we need to have. This is about the everyday universal desire women have to please others. It's about our tendency to say yes to things that don't deserve a yes. And it's about the price we pay for those yeses. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about saying no. Women suck at saying no. And no, it's not our fault. We're conditioned to think that saying no is rude. It's uncooperative. It's us being a great big bitch. Here are some of the things that you're struggling to say no to. Oh, when I was young and bright-eyed and completely naive in the ways of the world, I took a trip to Paris on a plane, met a lovely bloke. And he said when we were landing that he'd accidentally bought too many cigarettes in Hong Kong and wondered whether or not I might consider carrying a few of his packets of cigarettes through customs. Very foolishly, I said yes. I didn't know what to do, so I behaved. I was just like, hang on. Oh, my God, how did I get myself into this mess? I was recently single. I got into an Uber. When we got to my house, my Uber driver parks and turns to me and says, hey, can I have your number? And I just thought, I'm not really into it. So, of course, I turn to him and say, sure. The one time I've said yes and regretted it in my entire life was when I went to a Tupperware party. That was when I was like, yeah, really should have said no to this date. I said yes to moving overseas because my husband wanted to and I didn't. And I learned very quickly that I should have not said yes. Don't do that. So how do we do it? How do we start saying no unapologetically? I think the challenge for a lot of us is to find that confidence within ourselves to be able to say no and to just sort of be okay in that discomfort, to realise that it feels uncomfortable because of how we were raised. But that doesn't mean we're not allowed to say it. That's Jamila Rizvi. She's an author and political commentator. 
Like a lot of us, Jamila is still learning the power of saying no. And for her, the struggle is about doing too much at home. So I finally decided it needed to be less complex. And so I just resigned from one job, which is a particularly enormous job, and that's washing. Like I have genuinely just retired. I don't wash clothes anymore. I don't wash mine. I don't wash my son's. I don't wash my partner's. Luckily, I own a lot of underwear, so I can go a lot longer than either of them. We went through a few painful weeks. My partner stepped up. It's his job now, and he takes it very seriously. He's very into the division of colours and the folding on time in the front of the couch, and it's been a really simple way to say no rather than a, a complex web of responsibilities. I've just picked one big thing that I won't do anymore. Have your kids ever run out of undies? It happened once. <laughs> and I said, you need to talk to Daddy. <laughs> Saying no is so much more than housework. It's family commitments, like organising Christmas or helping your brother move house. It's also friendly invitations to go to that barbecue or see that film or catch up with that mate. And it's hard because these things don't all suck. We often really want to have fun. Jamila loves other people. So for her, the struggle to say no to fun is real. In this one, I'm a different kettle of fish because I'm the one who is always overcommitting myself organising too many social functions and kind of overdoing it. I think I'm probably the person everyone else struggles to say no to. You've been unwell in the past couple of years. Has your health actually forced you to say no a little bit? It definitely has. It's And in a way that I, I you know, I so wish it hadn't. I've always been someone who is 100% at everything in life. I like to fall into bed exhausted. I was always the kid that got sick on the first day of school holidays because I'd pushed so hard. And being a sick person and, I, you know, I got, I got really sick and I stayed sick and I now have a whole lot of disabilities that slow me down, I've just had to relearn what my body is capable of to the point that I actually sit in my diary and I'm one of those people who colour codes my diary and I have a colour now for all my medical appointments. And I also use that colour to block out time to remind myself not to book things in because I am an extrovert and I will always want to do more work, see more friends, hang out with people, be part of my community. But my body doesn't want me to do that. And I've had to learn to say no to myself. I don't want to pretend that I have got there. I haven't. But I think I am slowly learning to be better at just deciding I don't care enough about other people's opinions of me. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be pleasant to people, with wanting to be a warm and kind and generous person. All of that's a good thing. The reality is we will never please everyone. We will never be universally popular. And actually, that's okay. That's a huge part of this picture, being okay with the idea that someone might not like us. As women, we often want to fix that. Something that I learned very early in my life is that sometimes people didn't like me because of my race. It means, I hope, that as a child, I acquired a bit of an immunity to needing to be liked at all times. 
And in a very unscientific survey that I conducted of non-white friends, they agreed that one of the few benefits of being a woman of colour is that you've got some reps in having people hate you for no actual reason. So while approval seeking is still definitely a thing, self-respect is slightly less reliant on the opinions of strangers. So many women are so overwhelmed and so fearful and so anxious of what other people will think of them or the consequences of their actions. They just say yes, 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 without pausing to take stock. This is Sarah Knight. She's an editor and has authored a series of best-selling books, including one called F*** No. For Sarah, the hardest place to say no was at work. So in my early 30s, I had been working in publishing for 15 years. I was extremely fond of the work itself. What I realized was giving me, and and when I say unhappy, I was having panic attacks in the office, uh, terrible anxiety, which turned into depression. And when I finally sat down and peeled back all of the layers, I realized that the thing that was affecting me the most was being the kind of person who I am in a corporate environment, trying to plug in this authority questioning, kind of edgy, silly, very fiercely independent and entrepreneurial person into a rigid sort of vanilla corporate structure. And that this was where so much friction was being created inside my brain and then inside my body with all these crazy symptoms of anxiety that that was the change I needed to make. And it wasn't going to be solved by working fewer hours or treating myself to massages on the weekends. It needed to be a full-on structural change. Sarah quit her job and she's basically a free agent now, writing and editing books. And apart from not feeling like she fit into the corporate world, she also battled through work because she was taking on way too much and saying yes to far too many things. Through all that, Sarah's come up with a way for us all to say no heaps more. The first time that I said a no that I recall being very conflicted about, uh, it was definitely a heart pounder. And then you said it and the world didn't end. It didn't. Nobody (laughs) died on the table. You know, an asteroid did not land at my feet. Everything was okay. Sarah, in your experience, what are women saying yes to when they probably should be saying no? Women are saying yes to doing favors, favors for friends, favors for family members, favors for colleagues, favors for other parents at their kids' school. Women are saying, yes, no problem. I can add that extra task to my day. For example, you already have a busy day. You have a job. You have to pick up your own kids. But yes, you'll take a 30-minute detour out of your way to go to the grocery to pick up a last-minute cake for a school party. Women are saying yes to more tasks at work because they're afraid of being penalized even more than women already are (laughs) in the workplace by not doing every single thing that their boss expects of them plus one more. So they're volunteering for committees. They're volunteering for work that isn't necessarily part of their job description, but they're saying yes whenever somebody asks you know, the room to raise their hand if they will do X, it's the women that are raising their hands. So when we've committed to doing something that we don't really want to, we can have those feelings of resentment or anger, guilt, all that sort of negative stuff. Why do we have those feelings? Like if we know we're going to feel that way, why are we saying yes to this stuff? 
Well, this is the question, right? And it's why I think that we all need to take a step back when something's asked of us and just take a moment to visualize the consequences of saying yes. Because if you thought about, for example, your friend asks you to come to a birthday party, but it's on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock and you know it's going to go until midnight and that's too late for you to be able to get up with your alarm and go to the gym and get to work on time and not be hungover and all of that. And you want to say no but you say yes because you feel obligated because it's your friend's birthday. All you had to do was think about how you were going to feel on Wednesday morning if you said yes to this, and maybe you wouldn't have been so quick to give in to that sense of perceived obligation. When really it's perfectly okay to say, that's a little bit too late for me on a weeknight. I'd love to celebrate with you another time. What can I do? You know, where? Mm. when can we meet up? So it's not a hard no so much. No, that's that's the no and switch. Help us understand the no and switch. <laughs> this it. is really good for, for beginner naysayers because a lot of people worry that they are going to hurt somebody's feelings, disappoint someone, not be there for a person who's asked them you know, to do a task or to come to an event. But you really don't want to do it. But you want to offer an alternative. That's the no and switch. I love it. Can we try a little experiment with the no and switch? Sure. Sarah, can our kids have a play date together on Thursday at four o'clock? Thursday is actually not good for us, but we'd love to get together and we could do either Tuesday, Thursday or Friday of next week. If any of those work for you, let me know. So nice. So you do actually want the play date. You just don't want that particular play date. Sarah, we're having a barbecue. When you come, can you please bring a pasta salad? Thanks so much for the invite. We're really excited to be there. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have time to cook before the party, but I would be happy to help you clean up as my contribution to the gathering. Oh, I like that too. Okay. I want to hear about your framework. Yeah. So I think one of the greatest concepts to walk away with is this idea of the fuck budget. And that consists of your time, energy, and money, and those are your fuck bucks. And so if you think about what you are spending your time, energy, and money on, and consequently what you're withholding it from, that makes up this budget in your mind. And at all times, you kind of have a sense of it. I think a lot of us have a sense of what's in our bank account, or at least in our wallet. So if you can do the same for your time and energy and really visualize that when you spend it, you are taking it away from the whole and time is in finite supply. None of us get any more of it. And I really think that if people consider uh, their fuck budget as something, as the, the single best tool to decide whether something is worth their time, energy, and money, that unlocks the door to being able to sort your discard pile of the stuff that you don't care about and that you don't want to give your, your time, energy, and money to from the stuff that you do. Sarah, how did you come up with a clear list of what you want to do? So when I am faced with a decision, a yes or no decision, I think about how I'm going to feel when I say yes to that thing. Is it going to make me feel good? Is it going to serve my goals? Is it going to give me, you know, just a little bit of pleasure? And if the answer is yes, then I want to set aside, you know, some of my budget of time, energy and money to say yes to those things and do them. But if the answer is no, this fills me with seething resentment or regret or dread or anger or panic, then I put that in the discard pile and I handle it however I have to handle it with the person who's asking it of me. And I've learned so much about the fact that there really aren't as many consequences as we think there are for saying no and setting boundaries and putting your foot down and just being your authentic self. So much of that hesitation and fear is tied up in your own mind. You're putting that guilt on yourself. You're putting that sense of obligation on yourself. 
I like this me who says no so much. Basically, if you think something is going to make you feel bored, crappy, obliged or resentful, just don't do the thing. Mm, Thanks, but no. Thank you. I can't. Yeah, I won't be doing that. But I get it. We don't always have the luxury of saying no. There are, in real life, some non-negotiables. Like, for instance, if my kid says, Mommy, can you wipe my bun? Saying yes is going to make me feel crap, obliged and resentful. But the consequences of saying no are far too brown for me to actually say no. Okay, so far what I've learned in the magical art of saying no is that it is okay to resign from a household task that you hate doing. I'm allowed to say no to things if I'm feeling tired or when my body is telling me the answer's no. I've also got full permission to do the no and switch if I can't hang out with someone. And that's all helpful stuff, but what if it leaves you feeling, I don't know, like an asshole or kind of guilty or lazy. One of the things that I see people do all the time is they let their emotions dictate what they do. That's Rachel Green. She's an emotional intelligence coach who basically teaches people how to manage their emotions better. One of the big emotions that I'm always helping women to work with is the feeling of guilt. They feel guilty about saying no and therefore they give in and say yes. So it's the emotions underlying a lot of the issues around no that we actually need to deal with. But also, many of us were never taught how to say no. So we often give laborious, complicated excuses and we get worn down. At other times, we feel guilty simply because we've been trained to be nice. And that's when we go, no, this is just my training. I'm not actually doing anything wrong. Therefore, it's okay for me to say no, and it's okay for me to say guilty, but I don't have to give in to the guilt. So, for instance, one of the issues with saying no is that we often give reasons, and it's not the actual no that other people challenge us on, it's the reason we give. So, I can give you an example from work when I used to be an academic. We were sitting around one day in the staff room, and the senior lecturer, the boss, said to us, okay, I need someone to go on a committee. We've been invited to this committee. There aren't many women on campus. We must have a women representing us all on committee. So I I nearly died at the thought of being on another committee. I think I was on about 27. And, and I just went, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm too busy. And she looked at me and fixed me in the eyes and says, we're all busy, Rachel. You're going. What? And what I did was I thought, well, what about asking the rest? So she went round the rest of the team and they all said, no, I can't. I was the only one that added a reason and she was able to undermine and get rid of my reasoning. That's when I learned, don't justify your behavior, just make a statement about, no, thank you. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Wow, but that's quite radical, Rachel. Like most of us think we have to explain ourselves like, no, I can't come out for dinner. I sprained my ankle last night or something like that. You know, is it fair on the person who is making the request for us to not give a reason? Absolutely. It's so easy for people to knock back your justification, but 
Why do you have to justify your behavior to people? If they are really your friends, then surely they don't need you to justify everything and they will respect your need to say no. Can you talk about the actual skills of saying no? What are the steps that we need to go through? I often start off by in some way saying something nice. So still fitting in with a nice girl image. So um, I might say something like, oh, thank you so much for inviting me. That's really kind of you. Or I really admire the work that you're doing. When I'm setting the context for saying no, I am saying this is not about you and don't take it personally. Then I say no and then I say no again and then I say no again. (laughs) If you're at work, It may be different if the boss is coming down really hard on you. You may have to give a reason, but really what you have to do is to show that you're still a team player and often in a work situation, I will negotiate an alternative rather than saying yes. But if it's your best friend or your lover that you're saying no, you don't just suddenly pull no out of the air. You you set it in a context. So that's really important. I, I love you dearly. Is a that would be a standard phrase. This is nothing about you. This is about where I am right now. Another um, bit of advice that you add in this sort of talking us through the steps of saying no is to stick to what you say. Yes. So don't keep coming up with excuses. I'm so sorry. I've got something else on that night. Now, if you say that, someone else will say, oh, not to worry, let's go tomorrow night instead. And you go, oh, no, I'm busy then. Well, then you're stuck because you actually don't want to go out with this person at all. Um, But because you've made excuses, you've now got trapped. And one thing that I recommend for people is that they actually prepare set lines in advance. So I did this with alcohol, for instance. I stopped drinking alcohol. I thought it was going to be easy because I was clear I wasn't drinking, but I was open to so much manipulation from my friends, not from anybody else, but just from my friends who drank. So I just had a set line when they said, why aren't you drinking? I just go, you know, that's just how I am, I suppose. But over time, what I've learned is that because people know that I say no, I also say yes. They actually respect my answers, so I get far less of people wearing me down now than I ever used to. Having a set line is great. For instance, I refuse to go to the movies because I think American cinema is a creatively bankrupt art form and movies bore me. Do you want to go to the movies, Yumi? No, I don't watch movies. My answer doesn't change. I can't be argued with and I feel no guilt. Rachel says people who know you respect you more when you're clear about what you want. So I can give you an example of a friend who comes round and I offer that person a cup of tea. And I go, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh, no, it's okay. So they're kind of not giving me clear answers. I go, well, are you sure you don't want a cup of tea? Oh, no, I don't want you to put you to any bother. And then I go, well, you're not putting me to any bother. I'm making a cup of tea anyway, and the kettle's already on. Would you like a cup of tea? And the person goes, oh, that would be nice. Thank you. So whether it's you say yes when you mean no, or whether you say no when you mean yes, It is so confusing for other people. I feel exhausted when that person's in my house. 
So, Rachel, this is where it gets really interesting. Flipping it around, as well as learning to say no, do we also need to accept others saying no to us? Hear the word no better. Yes, we do. We do. We have to be able to hear someone say, like you, say to me, I am so sorry. I'm not able to come out for dinner with you tomorrow night. And I need to be gracious and say, that's fine. I will miss you, but I hope you have a great night, whatever you're going to be doing. And I hope I can see you again. And if I do that, I'm giving you as a close friend or a close colleague, the respect that you deserve. And I need to learn to do that so that I need to learn to be able to say no and have my boundaries. And you, I need to be able to help you to say no and respect the boundaries that you also set. What do we have to gain by saying no? Control of my own life. So that if I can say no, then I can also set boundaries and also I gain the respect of other people. As you go through life, you will always be making mistakes about yes and no, but it is about being clear on the inside and actually spending time with yourself and saying to yourself, what is my boundary? What is it I resent? I get to monitor my own energy levels. I get to monitor when I say yes and when I say no and how I feel. So all the time I'm asking myself to develop greater self-awareness around what are my boundaries? What am I good at? What is it best that I do? What is it best that someone else does? So there's a whole heap of questions around our own personal self-development that we need to be asking in order to say no or yes correctly. Love it and noted. Saying no is about fortifying my boundaries and to know one's boundaries is to know oneself. It's deep, mate, deep. Deeper than the dipstick I use to check the oil in my car because I do that shit myself. Thank you very much. Now, sorry, before we go, God, sorry to take up more of your time. I just really need to tell you something. You don't have to apologize for that. It's okay. You don't have time. You don't want to. You're not available. But if you say, sorry, 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 then it, it feels to everyone like, you, like you've done something wrong. Yep, that's right. Along with learning to say no and owning the shit out of that no, it's high time we removed the word sorry from our vocabulary too. We're so conditioned to try to be polite, remain profoundly likeable, and never be mistaken for a bitch that it influences the language we use. That can mean we apologise constantly. This is Sarah Knight on why, ladies, we need to stop apologising. By apologising for something that is not an objectively wrong action on your part, you are self-reinforcing the idea that you've done something wrong. So if you take sorry out of your mouth, you also take out of your own head and your own psyche the idea that you are doing anything wrong. This is Jamila Rizvi's take on the culture of incessant female apology. For me, my word of choice is just. Could I just have a minute? Could you just help me out with this thing? I'm just ducking to the bathroom. I'm just a mum. All of this language that makes you smaller and apologises for taking up space in the world. And I find it really hard to remove those words like just or sorry from my day-to-day vocabulary. They're just so ingrained. 
so what I do is remove them from my emails because you've got more time with an email. So I'll write an email now at work and then go through and delete all the apologetic language. And to be honest, then it sounds really rude. So I put a little bit of it back in. Then I will send it off. And it's slowly, I think, teaching me how much I do it. And it is reducing what I do in my conversation as well. It's kind of an easier way to start. So when you read emails from men, do you ever notice apologetic language in in their communication? Yeah, absolutely. But it seems to be men who experience some kind of disadvantage or discrimination themselves. I got really into this for a while, really looking at the language in people's emails. And I noticed that men of colour, particularly from Asian backgrounds, were more likely to apologise and men with disabilities also more likely to apologise, which I think is it speaks to this idea of who we think is entitled to take up space in our world and who we think isn't. When I analyse the way I talk now and the way I insert myself into conversation, especially if I'm giving an opinion, I notice I'm less apologetic beforehand. I very much used to be that person that would throw my hand up in a meeting to speak and then say, so I'm just spitballing here, I'm thinking out loud, so sorry if it's not quite right. I mean, it's just an idea and I'd talk for a good 20 seconds before actually saying anything. <laughs> and I've definitely pulled back from that. I think I've become better at saying, hey, this is what I think. And just putting the idea out there and learning to be less fussed if someone doesn't like it or the group doesn't go for it. So go for it. Saying no, like anything that's good for you, takes some practice. It can feel scary the first few times, but the more you do it, the stronger that muscle grows. And you know that the more muscles you have, the more fight you have, the better you are at bare-fisted combat, and the more likely it is it will see you bleeding from the face at the world saying no championships of next year. I'll be there. Will you. (laughs) You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Or not. I mean, look, say no. No one's forcing you. If you have any feedback or thoughts on this episode, or if you just want to ring up and shout no a couple of times, our number is 1300 641 222. Or you can refuse to send an email to ladies at abc.net.au. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Jane Curtis. Supervising producer is Cassandra Steith and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. Hey, it's Yumi here. Another thing that I now say no to is alcohol. And after more than three years of not drinking, I'm still in the minority among my friends and family. Lots of us like a wine or a beer at the end of the day. In fact, almost 20% of Australians drink alcohol at risky levels. That's when you're getting sloppy and unsexy, according to the Australian Health Department. Ladies, I've got a question. What's behind our drinking? Would you know or admit it if you were drinking too much? And what's the story behind me giving up alcohol? Is it a dirty secret or am I happy to share? Well, all is revealed if you scroll back in your feed to season three. It's called Stone Cold Sober Alcohol Update.